Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. It's been a wild couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks in Sydney, uh, and now right around Australia. And it feels really appropriate, Jason, that uh, for the next three weeks we'll be doing the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation tries to help us see uh, what's happening behind the scenes spiritually, even when it looks like things in the world are out of control. Welcome to Don't Judge a Book. Corners of New Line and Castle Hill Roads. With House Band New Line Church. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Don't Judge a Book. Please welcome your host, Jason Todd. And the assistant to the regional host. Chris Donald! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Welcome to the first episode of the Judge of Books, the Late Night Show. Welcome to you, welcome to you all. We are just <laughs> absolutely delighted to be here, aren't we, Jason? We I are. Mean, grateful and blessed, I can hardly believe it. It's, it's been a, a whirlwind 12 months, to be honest. Mm. I mean, what started with just a, a plucky podcast, uh, talking about books we may or may not have read, then go viral late last oh. year, that was amazing, to get the TV deal, and now to be here tonight filming the very first episode of Don't Judge a Book, the late show, in front of a live audience. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's really amazing. Now, you think uh, these guys had a podcast, now they've been given the TV deal, there might be a, a loss in quality of content, but rest assured... We are the same guys, this is the same podcast, uh, but with a slight tweak, which we're really excited about. Now, we'll still talk about books, the ones we've read and all of the ones we haven't read before. We'll still engage with our listeners, you guys at home, you guys here in the studio audience. We'll still have great guests on and we're still all for Jesus, which I think is all that matters, Chris. Our big break came last year uh, when we decided to start a podcast about books, starting obviously with the best book being the Bible. Naturally, naturally. And uh, so last year, that's right, in season one, we tackled uh, three things about the Bible. We thought about uh, whether or not we can trust the Bible, how we can understand the Bible, and how we can use the Bible. And so to launch the TV show, we are going back to our roots and we are looking at a specific book of the Bible. We are going to tackle the last book of the Bible. The famous, infamous, the inspiring, confusing, comforting, the weird book of Revelation. Now, I'm not going to lie. When Jason first suggested that we do the book of Revelation, I, I had mixed feelings. I was worried that we might have bitten off more than we can chew. 
I'm still not sure that I was wrong in that, actually. <laughs> uh, but Jason, you really love this book. I do. And so to kick off the series tonight, we thought it would be appropriate for you to share with us a bit of your heart why you love Revelation so much, and then to follow that up with some pointers on how we can also get the most out of Revelation and come to love it the same way that you do. 100%. Before we get into that, though, we're going to have a book overview. Hi, and welcome to our new segment, Book Overviews Under Duress. Uh, so we're going to ask Chris a couple of questions about Revelation Under Duress. So are you ready, Chris? No. <laughs> you, you thought this was a good idea. <laughs> That revelation was a bad idea. So, uh, first question. (laughs) First question. Hold on, hold on. First question. Who was Revelation written by? Uh, It was written by a guy named John from the early church. uh, Either the Apostle John, (laughs) you can't name but the Apostle John, or it was by just another guy known as John in the early church. Oh, sweet mercy. Early church. Nice shot. When was it written, Chris? Uh, It was written uh, in a time of persecution in the early Roman Empire, either by, uh, in a time of persecution by the Emperor Nero in the 60s AD or uh, Emperor Domitian in the 90s AD. Why was it written, Chris? Ah, to encourage uh, these seven churches in the province of Asia, which is uh, modern-day Turkey, uh, they're listed in Revelation 2 and 3, uh, but that's also those churches represent just Christians generally under persecution. What type of book is it, Chris? It's a combination of uh, genres. It's part letter, part prophecy, part apocalyptic. What's the key themes, Chris? Oh, key themes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, it, oh! <laughs> in the eye. Uh, God's sovereignty, God's in control. God will uh, uh, rescue and save... Uh, believers, he will judge people that reject him and he will restore all things and make things new. Close enough. Why do people judge this book, Chris? Why do people judge it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's weird and so people just dismiss it because it's weird and so far into what we're used to reading. Well done. Thanks, okay. Chris. Thanks. <laughs> Chris, well, I think it's time to dive into Revelation and so we're going to bring out our first guest. This person has over almost 200 followers on their Instagram account at Raider Shake. They are an Instagram milkshake influencer. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Braga! couple of questions. I'm so excited to be here, Jason. Excellent. Long fan of the show? Long oh, fan? Long-standing fan. Yeah, good. I'd hope so. What is the best book you've ever read? I think the best book I've read is uh, Bridge of Clay by Marcus Zusak. I'll take your word for it. What is the best book you've never read? I'm really keen to read Cross of Christ by John Stott. Hmm. And... What is your favourite verse or thing about the book of Revelation? I'm going to read it to you. Go for it. Revelation chapter 7, um, starting at verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And I think that's a really pretty and beautiful image of how everyone on earth will come together under Christ. Excellent. Thank you very much. Sarah is going to read our Bible passage for us tonight. It comes from the start of Revelation, Revelation 1. Please get your Bibles out now on a phone or a paper copy and head to Revelation 1. Thanks, Sarah. Revelation chapter 1, starting at verse 1. 
the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, who is on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right, now, uh, Jason, as I mentioned earlier, you love the book of Revelation. You bet I do. This was your idea? Our idea. Uh, I, I went along with it, uh, but I, I'd love to hear a bit more of your story. Would you mm. mind telling us to start off why you are so caught up in this book? Like, wh- where did this start? I think I, I think I stayed away from the book for a while uh, since when I started reading the Bible. Uh, you sort of read 
Revelation 21 and you get the, the good news of the kingdom coming, but all the, the stuff beforehand is a bit taboo to do. So I stuck away from it. Didn't really sort of look into it that much. But uh, we, uh, along with Steve Jones, one of our lovely listeners, went to a preaching conference at college a couple of years ago and it was an entire week just on the book of Revelation. And I think it's hard not to get this, uh, first of all, a good understanding and a good teaching that comes with it, but just this love for the book, a desire to read it more and more, just to understand not only the big picture stuff, but the little details as well, which I just love. Um, I think it, it also kind of started as a bit of a personal challenge, you know, a bit of a humble brag, like, oh, my favourite book's Revelation. But genuinely, through my uh, pride, I guess, God dug deep and put Revelation in my heart. Okay, yeah. I remember that conference. I only went to one day of it, so maybe that's why you love it so much more than I do. <laughs> but okay. So, what are some things uh, that you've loved from Revelation? A lot of things. I think one of them is... Uh, Despite having this show, I'm not much of a reader. I think you know that. <laughs> I do know um, that. <laughs> and so, for a book to really grab me, and I'm not saying that the rest of the Bible is boring by any means, but Revelation just has this uh, mystery to it, which keeps me going back, like a good like crime fiction or something like that. And I don't think I'll ever fully grasp it, and so it's a challenge just just excites me. And so, every time I go back to Revelation, I find something new. My picture of God... Uh, expands my knowledge of his character uh, and of his plan. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. I think uh, in, in the break earlier, uh, you were just telling me something else about Revelation I'd never understood before about between seeing and hearing. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're, in the coming weeks, reading through Revelation, when you see uh, John's visions come up, he'll hear something and then he'll see something. Notice the difference between what he sees and what he hears because it's amazing the depth of God's character you can see through that. And so in, I believe it's chapter 4, you can correct me on this one, John hears this lion roaring. And so in your mind you're like, yep, ready for battle, this mighty warrior is there. And then when he looks, he sees the lamb slain. And you're like, well, that's a bit anticlimactic. But in that moment you can know so much about Jesus' character, about his roles that he performs as the Messiah. It's just amazing. Lion and lamb at the same time. Yep. Love it. Okay. Uh, Any other things you love about it? A full list, so I'll I'll try and keep it brief. I love the picture it gives us at the end. I won't give too much away. It's coming in week three, so stay tuned for that one. But this this hope that we get uh, and sort of this picture of the end, uh, I love that it gives us a window into the early church. It's an account. It's a letter to them. And we get to sort of get an account of their persecution and find out what the first Christians were going through. Uh, I love discovering new things about God's character all the time, his sovereignty and power. It's amazing. And I love how, if you've read the Bible, this is like that final piece of the jigsaw, which you really want. It's, It's crucial if it's missing, and it sort of allows you to see the whole big picture a lot more clearer. And so I really love Revelation for those reasons. Okay, and admittedly, uh, you're doing a good job selling it to me. It does sound <laughs> great. But, I don't know, man, I've, I've found that sometimes as Christians we can get caught up in the knowing and mm. in, in the trivia, in the interesting little details, and we get fixated on that stuff, and we don't really care as much about what it means practically. And so, just a really direct question. Has it changed you, though? Like, reading Revelation, has it actually impacted who you are, how you live your life? I think, yeah. I think, I think it didn't at first. I still had this prideful attitude that I just liked the book because it was difficult. But I think reading it more and more definitely has changed me and impacted me. Uh, I think I like to use 
a Harry Potter analogy, uh, whether you watch or read, uh, when you get to the end, and there's certain things you learn about certain characters, Snape being one, when you reread the book or you rewatch the movie, your lens has changed. You can never unlearn what you've learned. And so it doesn't mean that it's boring reading the book the second time, but it just changes the way that you perceive different characters and changes the way that you, you read it. Okay, so it's changing your understanding of, of Harry Potter, knowing the ending. You're, are you saying uh, knowing Revelation, knowing the backstory or even the ending is changing how you're experiencing life today? 100%. I think once you know the end, once you see that God wins, once you see that Jesus is victorious and is sitting on his throne. Okay, so, so, okay I'm, I'm hearing you. So you are going through a hard time, but you have this truth that this hard time isn't the end of the story because you know at the end of the story, Christ wins. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I think I'm one that likes to plan and have everything under control and almost know that things are going to work before we try to do it, which makes this show really hard. We don't know if you're liking it. Hope you're liking it at home. <laughs> but once you know that God wins in the end, there is no worry in life in terms of that, which I think is amazing. Oh, I'll push back a little. Maybe there's worry, but we can uh, challenge that worry with truth. Mm, 100%. Uh, okay. So it, knowing Revelation is helping you emotionally to be more hopeful, uh, to be more peaceful, to be more calm, uh, to at least combat some of your concerns, your fears, your anxieties, your worries in life. Yep. That's, would that be a primary way it's impacting 100%, you? 100%, yeah. Okay. Which is a pretty beautiful thing. I love it's, it. It's hard to argue that Revelations are not worth reading when you think about that kind of emotional impact it can have on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right, well, I mean, we could, we could sit around talking about how it's impacted you, and uh, I love that kind of question, line of questioning, but uh, maybe people are hopefully at the point now where they're thinking at home, you're thinking, hey, all right, this week I could give Revelation a shot. I could start reading Revelation. And then you open it up and you get to that first chapter. Uh, we just heard Sarah read it for us earlier. And you think, hang on. What? What's going on? I, I don't really understand this at all. And it's easy to feel like you want to give up. Jason, people aren't going to go to a five-day conference with great <laughs> preachers explaining how to understand Revelation, which was a catalyst for you. Can you just, at a really simple level, give us some pointers, give us some suggestions, some tips on how to understand Revelation so we can get more, of it, more out of it ourselves as we read it? Yep, definitely. And because it's Revelation, we're going to have seven top tips. That'll become apparent why that's important later. Let's see what you uh, did there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, so seven tips that, which I think are really practical tips for getting into the book of Revelation and for it not to be so daunting. I love it. Okay. Number one. Genre. Understanding the genre of the book is really, really important. Okay, so like the, the literary type, like what yep. type of book it is. Now, thankfully for us to make it even easier, there's three different types going on all at the same time. <laughs> Super easy first point. Keep first going. one is apocalypse. It doesn't actually mean end of the world, zombies sort of thing. Uh, apocalypse means to reveal, to unveil, revelation. And so this is an unveiling of God's plan. And are you okay, so when we talk about a post-apocalyptic world, like when I'm watching Black Summer on Netflix... Uh, as opposed to the apocalyptic world, we're using that in a different way to what it originally meant yep. in Greek when it comes up in the book of Revelation. Yep. So apocalypse in Greek in the Bible just means uh, a revelation, a revealing. Yep. Huh. So you won't find any zombies in the book. There's no <laughs> doomsday, so you'll be fine. Okay. With apocalyptic literature, it was quite popular 
in the day. We actually have examples of it previously in the Bible in the back half of Daniel. Yep. Very specific style of writing where different numbers, different symbols, different imageries become really important for the author to convey big thoughts and emotions. Okay. Uh, so the author might use this device of writing apocalyptically, if that's a word, uh, to convey truth that's not otherwise easy to, to convey, to reveal. Yeah. And so in the book of Daniel, uh, it's uh, when the God's people are under foreign rule, under a strong foreign power, and they might want to criticize that foreign power. And so they need a way to do that indirectly, but to reveal a big truth. Mm-hmm. And then that's what we see again in the book of Revelation Yep, and Revelation quotes Daniel and uses that same imagery so that readers of Daniel who now read Revelation, those people in the early church who would have known their Old Testament, would automatically have those images in their mind. Okay, so you said it's three types of, three genres. Yep. Apocalyptic. Second is prophecy. Okay, so it's a prophecy. So you mean like uh, the, the Old Testament prophets writing prophecies. They're speaking truth from God, revelations that God has revealed to them. Yes. Uh, either about things that are happening currently or things that are going to happen in the future. Yep. Okay. So that brings in that future component uh, that we naturally think of when we think of the book of Revelation. Okay, what about the, the third genre? The third one is this book is actually a letter. It is a letter written to seven churches, which you'll find in chapters two and three. It is a circular letter. And so when John wrote this, it was designed to go all around Asia Minor in a order which would make sense for a letter to travel in which all the churches were able to read their little blurb but they were also able to read the others and funnily enough uh, we'll get to it later but there's seven churches and seven's an important number in Revelation it not only speaks of these seven real individual early churches but it speaks of the whole church seven being a complete or whole number okay Uh, so just on that idea of it also being a letter I think uh, we get when we're reading say Paul writing to the Corinthians that uh, we need to understand who the Corinthians were, what was happening in their church, things like that, uh, to get the most out of the book. But when we come to Revelation, sometimes we're tempted to just think, oh, it's, it's all directly for us because it's all about the future anyway. Uh, and we just skip the original receivers of this letter. But you say, mm-hmm. no, this is a letter just like the other books. We need to understand the original audience too. 100%. This is really important for not getting carried away with the imagery and trying to pick who the Antichrist is or when certain events will happen in life that uh, brings upon the end of the world. It's really important to remember that this was a letter written to the early Christians under Roman persecution to encourage them to carry on. This is a letter of encouragement given not only to them but now to us as well. Okay, love it. So, point one was understanding the genre and there's three types of genres. This is definitely our longest point of the <laughs> seven. Uh, that it's apocalyptic, meaning it's revealing big truths uh, that are maybe sometimes hard to convey or not politically easy to convey. Mm. Uh, secondly, that it's prophecy, so it's truth from God that might be giving us some insight into the future as well. And thirdly, that it's a letter. So even though it might have future insights, we have to understand who it was originally speaking to and what was the message they needed to hear so we can understand the message for us too. Yep. All right, give us your second bit of advice. Second bit of advice is this book is full of Old Testament references, so it's know your Old Testament. Now, that's easy. easy. That, that doesn't seem like a really easy thing, and we'll give practical tips for it, but I want to say uh, some theologians, fancy word for people who think about the Bible, we're all theologians here. Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> between 250 and maybe 1,000 Old Testament references are found in the 404 verses of Revelation, which is astonishing. The amount of Old Testament 
references that are in Revelation is, is amazing. And we're not supposed to go through our Bibles and count them all. That's not the main message here. Whatever the number is, and I don't think we're actually supposed to know, it should just overwhelm us by the amount of referencing back to God's Word that this holds and the amount of symbolism and imagery that's found here should give us information that's found elsewhere in the Bible as well. You're, you're saying that having a, a basic understanding of what things meant in the Old Testament would help us to understand what's going on in Revelation as well. Like There's a connection between the two texts. It's really important because this book was written to uh, a people who knew their Old Testament and for John to convey so many things it's helpful that you can reference back to things they already know. Okay. And so it's helpful if we know them as well. So we should go away and read the 39 books of the Old Testament before we start with Revelation. Back to back in one go. Okay, cool. That See seems week. really, really hard and we're not encouraging... If you want to do that in your own time, go for it. But if you want to have a much more manageable way of reading Revelation but still getting all the depth if you don't know all of your Old Testament, which is fine, read a study Bible. Chris, do you know what a study Bible is? I do know what a study Bible is. Do you want to tell our viewers what a study Bible is? So a study Bible is a Bible where publishers have gone to the hard work of basically putting extended footnotes on the bottom of each page to clarify difficult ideas or unusual ideas that appear in each text. So you you hit a point, you're reading something, you think, I don't really know what that means. Oh, there's a footnote, look it down. Oh, there on the page. It gives a quick summary and a quick insight into what that could be. So I guess he's saying in Revelation it's helpful because it'll tell you what the Old Testament passages are that it might be alluding to and why they might be significant. 100%. I think once you read through the book with a study Bible, if something doesn't make sense, you can see where it comes from and the Old Testament will probably give you more of an idea of what it's talking about. So point number two was understand uh, Revelation in light of the Old Testament and if you want to get quickly familiar, a great way to read it would be to read it with a study Bible that'll point out the Old Testament references for you. Okay, point number three. We'll speed up a little now. Yep, structure. Uh, we're going to give you sort of a basic overview because you don't need to know all the structure to be able to read it. Uh, chapters 1 to 3 is one vision that John gets. It's the passage we read before and the instructions to the churches. And then from 4 to the end, we get a second vision of God's plan unfolding. And there's different imagery that we'll talk about in future weeks with that, but there's basically those two visions. I think it's easy in that second vision, chapters 4 to 22, to get caught up in the minutiae. Uh, but it's a pretty simple way to understand it. It's sort of just unpacking uh, the story of what has been happening and was going to happen for God's people uh, following Jesus' resurrection. Is that fair? Yep. Unfortunately for new readers, it does it in a really specific and intricate and, when you learn it, beautiful way, but it does make it a little bit daunting. Okay. Uh, And then uh, the last part of chapters 4 to 22, so chapters 21 and 22... We get this beautiful picture of uh, judgment being done and this new creation, this new Jerusalem coming down from heaven and that's where we get this picture of uh, those who put their trust in Jesus dwelling with him for eternity. Yeah, great. Okay. Uh, Which sort of starts to tie into uh, your suggestion number four after understanding structure. Number four is to know some of the big themes, some of the big ideas in the book to look out for. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those big ideas, those big themes? So the first one would be the sovereignty of God, understanding that God is sovereign and in control. The uh, amount of ordering in this book is amazing. Uh, So we see that God is in control of everything. The second one is salvation despite persecution. Okay, so it can feel like uh, when Christians are being persecuted for their faith, 
uh, that maybe Jesus has given up on them, uh, that they've done something wrong, that everything's gone wrong, but Revelation is saying, hey, actually, persecution is a normal thing to be expected. It's not a sign that God's done with us, uh, but there's actually this promise in Revelation that salvation will still come. Mm. Okay. Third one is judgment. The book has a lot to do with judgment. We see in the back half, God is bringing that final judgment upon those who are against him. That's a big theme coming towards the end of the book. Uh, But the fourth one is restoration. As we mentioned before, chapters 21 and 22, God restoring us uh, back to a place where we can dwell with him in this new Jerusalem. Okay, so this new Jerusalem, uh, you mean this new city or this new dwelling place with God? Mm. The place where God and his people can meet together and be in harmony with him? For eternity. It's amazing. Okay, love it. Beautiful. All right, uh, number five. Number five is symbols. <laughs> Thanks, Lucky. Doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. So Revelation is full of symbols. It comes with that apocalyptic literature genre that we have. Okay, yeah, so that's probably the thing that would most stand out for people as they read Revelation, is that it's full of symbolic things. Mm. Uh, But why not just say what you mean? Why convey these ideas in symbols? I think it's important to know the letter genre in that case. So this was a letter written to persecuted Christians, and if the people persecuted them got their hands on it, and they were able to understand if it was just written in black and white, it might get them in trouble. But with all this weird imagery and symbols, they would have tossed it aside and not understood. But the people who are meant to understand it can understand it. Okay, so it's conveying truth that people who know the Old Testament can understand. It's not a mystery for them. If they know their Old Testament, they can get a lot of it. Uh, Whereas other people that aren't familiar, that the writer doesn't want to understand it, they won't understand it. Yes. Okay. So a couple of symbols uh, that you'll come across, different numbers meaning different things, so seven meaning completeness. We had that with the seven churches before. Not only the individual churches, but the whole church it's written to. So seven days in a week, time of completeness, uh, represents God. Yep. We have uh, the number 12, which is really important. We see the 12 disciples, we see the 12 apostles. It means sort of God's God's people. people. Yeah, Yeah, okay, so multiples of 12 as well symbolically represent God's people. So we will see at one point in Revelation 144,000, which is a multiple of 12, but we don't need to take that as a literal 144,000, but rather a mass of God's people, God's people collectively. Uh, We see different imagery of animals that we get from the book of Daniel. So the lion meaning nobility, the ox being strength, the eagle with speed and the lamb with meekness. Okay, so yeah, if you know your Old Testament, some of these symbols will be a lot more clear. Uh, And there's so many of them that we can't possibly go through them all now. But uh, I think uh, you're going to chuck a list on our St. Matt's Evening Facebook group uh, so people can get accustomed to some of those symbols themselves. Yep, excellent. We'll chuck that up. Great. Number six. Binge. Binge. You need to binge Revelation. I think that this is definitely a big picture book and it's really helpful when you first start reading not to get stuck in the details. Okay. Read through it in big chunks. Don't, if you can... Don't get stuck on the little details, but try and see the big picture. And then when you come back to it, it'll be much easier to read. Okay, awesome. Number seven. Be humble, which is by far, I think, the hardest thing to do. When you come and read Revelation, it's not going to be easy to understand. You're going to have to put work into it, and you're probably going to walk away not being able to understand everything, and that's okay. We need to be humble. We need to come to God's Word, pray to Him, and ask Him to reveal things to us, but don't, yeah, just be humble when you come to the book because it's going to be a little disheartening if you come in with a prideful attitude. Okay, okay, that's really helpful. All right, Jason, uh, you've given us some helpful pointers. Uh, what do you think should be somebody's goal this week? Give us a challenge. 
Ooh, goal this week. I think if you can get through Revelation 1 to 3, great. Read through the different churches. Maybe you see some attributes of St. Matt's, good or bad, in some of these letters. But just have a go of reading through it. Reading through that first chapters 1 to 3. Okay. Uh, can I extend that challenge to yeah, chapter 5? Because we're going to jump into chapter 5 more closely next week. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for throwing out some different suggestions on how we can read Revelation, get more out of it. Let me just summarize those again. Knowing the genre is really helpful. Uh, it's not a genre we might always be familiar with, but understanding that will help us. Uh, knowing the Old Testament, our understanding at least that there's a lot of Old Testament allusions that will help us understand the book. Uh, know the big structure. Two different visions, one to three, four to 22. Uh, know some of the big themes to look out for and other things we really want to pay attention to. When are, what are we learning about the sovereignty of God, the kingship of God, God being in control? What are we learning about God being faithful to his people and offering them salvation despite the persecution they're currently experiencing? Uh, the idea that God is going to judge his enemies uh, and that at the end God is going to restore all things and make things new. Uh, you mentioned that it's helpful to have a basic understanding of some of the symbols that come up uh, that the best way to read it is to binge and not get caught up in the details and then you encourage us to be humble mm-hmm. fair summary? fair summary great would you be willing to pray for us? I would love to Heavenly Father we thank you so much for this book of Revelation we thank you that you've given, up, given it to us as a gift we thank you that we can read and understand more about your character and I pray as all of us attempt to read it over the next few weeks as we discuss it here on Don't Judge a Book, that you'll be granting us the wisdom to be able to understand what you want to say to us, that we can broaden our picture of you and just fall more in love with reading your word and knowing your character. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.